Okay, hello. I'm talking. I'm talking into the mic. Rosalind, how are you? How are you doing this fine quarantine morning? This. What do you want to What do you want to tell the world? No. Do you want to tell the world how you Do you want to tell the world how you say hapadapa? No. Do you want to tell the world how you say elephant? No. Do you want to tell the world how you say Bruce? No. Do you have uh, anything to contribute to this conversation? No. That's what I thought. Friends and enemies, welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney. We're recording today here in Amiskachewa Skygan, otherwise known as Edmonton here in Treaty 6 Territory. We're also recording from my bedroom because we are doing our social distancing and we are you know, not going into the office. So that's a new, a new recording experience today. And yes, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. And for all the nervous small talk we can make about runs on toilet paper... Grocery stores, yes, grocery stores are now the front lines in this pandemic. And it is grocery store workers who stock the shelves, who work the tills, who keep these places clean. These grocery store workers are now absolutely critical workers in this global health emergency. And I think after the past week or so, we can all agree that the brave folks coming overnight to stock shelves and, and spending exhausting days on their feet dealing with customers who are probably not on their best behavior are absolutely essential workers and who are not easily replaced by self-checkout machines. And even though grocery store workers are now essential critical workers in this emergency, they're certainly not paid like it. And if your neighborhood grocery store is a Safeway, or I think in this one case, Tom, uh, the Forest Lawn Sobeys, in Calgary, these workers have been fighting for a fair contract with their employer for months. And to talk about the issues both facing Safeway workers on the front lines, as well as their fight for a fair contract, we have Tom Hesse, the president of United Food and Commercial for United Food and Commercial Workers Local 401, on the Progress Report to talk about this. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Duncan. How are you doing? And how's uh... I'd like to ask everybody out there how they're doing, but I suppose they can't respond. I am, uh, I'm in a hotel room in uh, West Edmonton on the, on the fourth floor. The general manager uh, promised me that the room had not been occupied before, and uh, uh, so I'm all alone up in my uh, hotel room here. I live in Calgary. I hope to be going back to uh, Calgary soon. I've been uh, consulting with our membership in Edmonton, and I'm and they go home soon and consult with our membership in Southern Alberta. That's good to hear. I mean, I'm I'm staying, you know, isolated. Uh, I had some cold symptoms. I had a sore throat and a cough last weekend. I've been socially isolating for the past week now. Um, you know, we're dealing with it. It's me and my partner and a two-and-a-half-year-old in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment. But, um, you know, we go out sledding. You know, I got a dog to take for walks. We're kind of dealing with it, you know. Well, I've been, uh, I've just been kind of working 24-7. I've been trying to monitor this very carefully. I've been speaking with all of our local unions across Canada, find out what, uh, what gro- what's happening uh, with grocery store employees in every jurisdiction in Canada and, and with food processing employees. We've got to remember here that uh, our members bring food to the tables of Albertans, and there's a, there's a whole the supply chain, there's a whole sort of farm-to-fork process. And many of our members produce and process food, which finds, then finds its way through distribution centers, which then uh, finds its way into the stores themselves where the, the cashier interfaces uh, with uh, the customer. 
a strange, you know, a strange time indeed. I'm not a, uh, a young fellow, um, I'm in, uh, but I'm in good health. Uh, I walk around every day and I make my calls and uh, I uh, represent our members. But somewhere in the back of my mind, deep down inside, of course, is my own anxiety like everybody out there. I reflect back in my life and I really don't have a comparable experience in my life is when I was very young, I remember anxiety in society around the Cold War and Cuban Missile Crisis. I remember this sense of uh, collective anxiety. I remember the FLQ crisis in Canada uh, where uh, Prime Minister Trudeau declared martial law. I remember anxiety around that. I remember uh, the peace movement in the late 70s into the 80s. Uh, and there was an escalation in tensions uh, as between the West and the East. And thousands of people were walking through the streets to, uh, uh, to, try, to uh, try to limit uh, the development of, uh, of uh, nuclear weapons and prevent nuclear war. If there were heightened tensions between the East and the West. But I honestly don't ever recall in my life a time like this. And certainly what also distinguishes the time uh, that we're in uh, from those times is in my hand is a box that I'm speaking on right now and speaking through that I never used to have. And both information uh, is just inches away and a button away. I don't have to wait for the 6 o'clock news or 11 o'clock news. And, and it's, it's instant and it's in my hand. But fear and anxiety and concern is also in my hand. And so the two realities we face here, I think, are the real substantive threat of the illness, on the one hand, and all of the uh, uh, social, economic, and uh, political uh, things that are flowing from that in the context of this, of a society where information and connection is so readily available. It is a scary, uh, unprecedented kind of anxiety-inducing time. Uh, and no, no question, right? And and nothing. I've never dealt with anything like this. I mean, the last time we had a pandemic like this was more than a hundred years ago, right? And the and the the news reports from that are not something that we want to repeat. And and I don't know what the good segue is to this, but I I, I think what this what this crisis has done is that it has shown just how critical um, workers are, right? And workers who you know, are, are not typically not well remunerated or not held up or venerated by society, but how critical these workers are to like just actually the actual functioning of our society. And that if we didn't have them, like it would be break down real fast. And I, I think it's worth providing a bit of context to our readers. Like who are the workers that are a part of your union? What are the stores that they're working in? What are the numbers that we're talking about here? We have 32,000 members, so we're the largest private sector union in Western Canada. Uh, the members that we're talking about in Alberta, the workers that we're talking about, uh, mostly, uh, with some exceptions, work at Safeway and Superstore, um, when it, uh, Safeway Sobeys and Superstore when it comes to talking about food retail. And in food processing, uh, we have uh, members at uh, Sofina, at, uh, Cargill, uh, Cargill Case Ready, and, and the big processing plant in the High River, employees at JBS. 
employees at all email in, uh, in Redbeard. So, um, you know, we're really talking about workers that arrive at work and uh, at JBS, uh, they take a cow apart and at the other end there's hamburger and there's steaks and there's meat. Um, uh, all the way through that, through those linkages, through the grocery store, where you know a cashier um, uh, scans, pulls that pulls that steak through the through the check stand, and and everything in between that you might imagine. Certainly, we have other members who are being impacted. Food workers are uh, critical. Uh, but we have other workers in our union who we represent who are also being uh, impacted, and it's a strange circumstance. Uh, we have a difficult economy, and many of, of our members who are working in the food business, as it were, are grateful uh, to go to work and make some money right now. Uh, that is a, that's a difficult thing for me to say, really, and, and gives me mixed emotions because... You know, people need a paycheck, and uh, some are going because they need that paycheck. And I'll come back to this later on. But, but there's a risk. You know, they're 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 making a sacrifice. They're setting their their uh, personal well-being sort of aside, and uh, uh, and they're going to work. Yeah, it it is it is it is incredible. Like grocery store workers are the troops now, and it did it, it took this global pandemic for us to realize it. And and the thing that I mean is undergirding all of this is the fact that the, these workers have been fighting for a fair contract with their employer for months now. And these Safeway um, UFCW workers have been without a contract for quite some time, and these negotiations have not been going smoothly. No, we are in uh, bargaining for employees, and we're really the only union in Canada, the only local union in Canada, uh, that is in major bargaining with food workers, uh, food retail workers, both at Superstore and at Safeway Sobeys. Um, uh, only in Alberta is major bargaining going on, and the environment is a tough one. Uh, the employers, of course, are... You know, these are very wealthy people. We're talking about Galen Weston uh, on the Loblaws Superstore side and the Sobeys family. These people are billionaires. They are the beneficiaries of what's happening right now. Um, uh, sales have uh, skyrocketed. It's interesting, you know, people with the shutdown of restaurants. I know Albertans like to go to restaurants. I've seen some data on that. They, drove down the street the other night and the restaurants are all essentially closed with the exception of some takeout or walk-in, walk-out business. And so uh, food consumers are being channeled to grocery stores. I suppose people have to learn how to cook now and maybe do some grocery shopping that they might not have done before. But the point is that, that all of this traffic is causing sales to skyrocket at the same time that these employers are at the bargaining table, um, you know, asking employees for takeaways. Safely, for example, wants to take things away from their uh, employees at the bargaining table. And this is not a time to beat up on these people or take things away or ask for concessions. Uh, this is a time to reward them 
This is a time to acknowledge them. The optimist in, in me tells me that this, this could be a time in our society to realign our values about ordinary working people. Our members, um, you know, they're, uh, they're um, straightforward people, very unassuming people. Many of them have said to me, we want to go to work and do our part. Yeah, we've got some anxiety. We know there's a risk. Production standards are crazy right now. You know, we're bumping into people in the stores. We're working at a social distance. They're, they've always been aware of the role that they've played in bringing food to the tables of Albertans. And so I, I think about this realignment potentially of our values where we may start, you know, to return uh, to basics, where we see nobility, real nobility in all human work. And, you know, if there might be a silver lining in this, perhaps that's it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the people at the top of these, you know, the two families at the top of these grocery store empires in Canada, right? The Sobeys family and the Weston family, like it, it cannot be emphasized just how incredible and ludicrous their wealth is, right? Like the Sobeys family have something approaching $3 billion in wealth. The Weston's even more. Um, and these are the people who own the system about where we get our food from, which I think we're seeing now more than ever is, is something approaching a public utility. And it's incredible to think that that there are these people at the top of it hoarding hoarding billions of dollars. And then on top of that, they're trying to chisel you know, regular working people for what? Overtime benefits, you know, 50 cents here, a quarter there on overtime like the the sense of these these negotiations is that they've been going on for months they are not giving you up not giving up anything and and everyone's still just going to work doing their job in this in this incredible kind of like global health emergency right they certainly are in terms of negotiations all of those a lot if not all of those concessions are sitting on the table with Safeway we're about to commence bargaining with Superstore we've been without a contract for a long time with both of them and uh, so we're staring down the circumstance that we, that we face right now. You know, we're trying to act uh, responsibly. Here's what I'd say about the employers. It's a mixed bag. I certainly deal with employers, uh, employer representatives from Safeway Sobeys and from Loblaws who are uh, doing some good things. They're really talking about the safety of the employees. But, but you know that on the other side of the business, there are the bean counters. There are the numbers people who are just looking to make money and make profit. And so they are doing good things in the stores to protect our members. We have been advocating for that and pushing them hard. They've been responding in some measure, and I've got to celebrate that. I think it is as a result of our work, our collective strength pushing these employers across this country and in Alberta to do the right thing. Um, but on the other, you know, the other side of their brain and in their offices, the, there's another set of offices where there are people who are saying, well, we need to do these things so we have a competitive advantage so we can attract labor. So customers come to our stores rather than the competitive stores because they feel safer. 
And so that, that business motive, that profit-driven motive that has made these families so rich hasn't gone away. Our job as a union is to speak to the former of, of the two groups and hope that inside companies uh, that the, the, uh, the humanitarians and the, the moderates and the people who really are interested in putting people first, that, that their voices are the ones that are heard in the corporate boardrooms you know, not not the profit, uh, not those who are, are driven solely by profit. And that's our challenge right now. Our union has certainly had some successes. We've convinced both. We've certainly convinced um, uh, convinced uh, Superstore, Loblaws, uh, to bring uh, plexiglass shields into stores, init- more initiatives in terms of social distancing, uh, We've asked them to raise wages. We've asked for uh, higher wages. At this point, they've agreed to an interim wage increase for workers of $2. Uh, that's not enough. Uh, and, of course, we worry uh, that this won't translate into a longer-term perspective on their part to pay wages uh, all the time. You see, the issue really is here, are we going to treat these workers all the time? whether there's a COVID crisis or not, in the way in which they deserve to be treated. Again, I hearken back to my comments about the silver lining, and there's an, op- there's an opportunity here. Uh, on the uh, Safeway Sobeys side, they have not yet agreed uh, to a wage increase, even on a temporary basis. They have agreed to do some things in terms of plexiglass shields and additional initiatives to keep both the public and their staff to safe. And all of this intersects at a time when we're in contract negotiations with them. So we actually enjoy, you know, a lot more leverage than we might enjoy because, you know, the status that, that, that has, should attach to this work, the status should have always been attached to this work is front and center in the public's mind. But I worry about the phrase essential service. I really worry about that phrase, and I'm hearing that more and more. What I like to say is, you know, two basic human rights in society are the right to health care and the right to food. And I like to say that our members, food workers, whether they be working in a processing plant or in a retail food store, are providing a basic human right for Canadians. That's the right to have access to food. And we ought to be celebrating these workers and valuing them commensurate with that. I worry about the phrase essential service because I worry that the political right in the corporate world is going to use that phrase to take away these people's rights to demand more. We see that phrase utilized to hold back workers in all sorts of industries where workers, that phrase is utilized rather than as a tool of recognition but as a tool really of suppression. Oh, you're essential. We need you. So you must work for less. You don't have a right to strike. You don't have a right to stand up for yourself. You don't have a right to withdraw your labor. In fact, it's sort of this modern day slavery. We don't really care what your value is. We're going to force you to come to work. So that's uh, all of this is part of the narrative right now. And, you know, I encourage uh, customers to plug into that narrative and go to those stores, you know, to thank those workers, but also 
you know, to remember, you know, that they have a right to stand up for themselves and ask for more. And this this two dollar an hour wage increase that Loblaws just announced, or that I mean, I saw. I'm looking at the release on the UFCW Canada page right now. Um, like, yeah, that I don't know how many de- how much details are out on this. Like, it literally came out this morning. Um, but it, it it says it's only for frontline frontline employees. You know, it's only Loblaws as opposed to Sobies at this point. Um, you know, I mean, I'm certainly as welcome for the for the people who are putting in ridiculous hours and again dealing with conditions that they've never had to deal with ever in the context of working in a grocery store. But I mean, you're right when you worry about this kind of like essential services thing. I mean, public sector workers in Alberta didn't have the ability to strike, I think, until like they only won it in the past five years. And they didn't even win it. It was just like legislation changed. Right. Um, I, I think you're right to be leery about that. And I mean, my, my biggest question is like, what, what can we do as, you know, regular ass folks dealing with this pandemic to stand in solidarity with grocery store workers? Regular, you know, regular ass folks like uh, you and me need to get off our ass. Um, you know, it's not hard to call up your MLA regardless of their political stripe. Uh, shop unit. Um, you know, save on stores in Alberta uh, they're not real unionized stores. Uh, the Sobeys stores are not union stores. It's only the Safeway side of Sobeys that's unionized. So, you know, Costco is not unionized. So go to places that are good grocery stores. And a good grocery store, let's be clear, you know, we can be critical of grocery industry wages and benefits, but the fact of the matter is, is if you work at Safeway or Superstore, you're in making 30, 40% more in terms of wages and benefits than if you work at a, you know, at a non-union, uh, at a non-union grocery store. So there still is, a, you know, a significant difference in terms of the, you know, the, the value of work and how you are valued in a unionized grocery store. Those employers did not surrender that easily. But at a superstore or a Safeway, at 10 hours a week, you get benefits. Uh, you can go to one of the twenty or 30,000 jobs at Chinook Mall in Calgary or West Edmonton Mall in Edmonton, and part-time workers don't get any benefits. The reason they have those benefits is because they have a union. So, you know, we should reward and encourage good grocery stores that respect collective bargaining, give their, you know, workers have some rights, decent wages and benefits. So we're in a bit of a gray area right now. I, you know, I want to be reluctant to say that Safeway and uh, and Superstore are, uh, you know, we should be uh, criticizing them a lot uh, because uh, there's an upside to those stores. Perhaps credit that they don't deserve, but certainly credit that the Canadian labor movement deserves because they've unionized those stores and there are real benefits to those stores because of that. This environment, though, highlights the fact that even with a union, it's not good enough. And unions and citizens are challenged to push harder. Um, employees in non-union stores need to organize so they receive those benefits. But employees in those stores don't have the voice, Duncan, that you're hearing right now, my voice, or the voice of our representatives, our lawyers, our workers' compensation advocates. If they don't like their job, we got one choice. That's to quit. If there's something happening in a unionized grocery store, 
that doesn't seem right, they have a union to stand up for them, and they have collective bargaining power. That is more important in this day and age than ever. And so, you know, you see um, uh, uh, unions across Canada being in the media and in the front lines speaking up for their workers during this time. In the non-union world, uh, employees do not have those rights and do not have that voice. And that union, non-union, grocery store distinction, I think, is really important, especially in when you when you look at what Sobe Safeway has done in other provinces, right? They have used these like discount Freshco locations to slash wages and benefits uh, for the workers at those locations compared to the unionized locations. And I imagine that's something that's coming up in contract negotiations right now, right? Certainly, you know, employee. If there's one thing the citizenry like us. I uh, can't remember what you called us, us asses or as customers. You know, we are concerned in a more stratified society when the gap between rich and poor is bigger than ever. You know, we used to say back in the day, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And uh, that just never seems to stop. So people, working people, lots of people are looking for a deal. And so what's happening in the retail food industry is employers are looking to take advantage of that so-called discount market and Sobeys in Western Canada has been looking to introduce a store called Freshco. What our union has been saying is, okay, fine. Maybe there's room for some discounters. Maybe there's some room for some discount grocery stores in society. That's fine. But we have to be very careful about the price that we're prepared to pay for that. So in those stores, we're going to try in Alberta to negotiate that workers still have rights, that workers still have decent wages, and workers still have union union benefits. They're, of course, pushing for a model that would suggest that these stores almost be operated like they were non-union stores without appropriate wages and benefits. We're opposing that. And we're fighting hard to ensure that if a new banner or a new brand of grocery store opens in Alberta, that it's a good grocery store. And, you know, we have a, a website, goodgroceries.ca, uh, uh, Duncan, where we really encourage people to go to that site, learn about what a good grocery store is about. It's like a video game. You push a grocery cart through uh, down, uh, down grocery store aisles. You select items. You'll get some messaging, and you can win $250 in free groceries uh, by doing that at a unionized grocery store. We also have a campaign. You'll see these good grocery store bags, uh, reusable bags around town. Uh, Right now, we're not encouraging people to use reusable bags, of course, because, you know, of the exposure of the surfaces. And we've, uh, we've lobbied our employers uh, to make plastic bags free, at least right now, uh, so that uh, you know people are not being exposed to used and reused surfaces in the current environment. It's a very, very tricky, uh, a very tricky time um, in terms of uh, finding a balance between preserving our well-being. And the health of society, it's really life and death. I mean, our members uh, every day that are going to grocery stores, just like uh, people who are working in hospitals and clinics, people who are working in healthcare, these people, uh, the nobility of their work 
the nobility of all human work. Again, I would, I would repeat what I said earlier. Uh, if there is a silver lining here, uh, we might be hitting the pause button in society and hopefully reminding ourselves of a key message. And, and I'm hoping that that message will resonate and be enduring, that there is nobility and value in working people and the services that they bring to keep society operating. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that I'm learning and that uh, the broader society is learning from this pandemic, right? It's that it's the grocery store workers, the janitors, the nurses, the lab techs who are actually holding society together and, and preventing what we have from collapsing. It's not the bankers, the CEOs, the bosses. They are not holding our society together. And, and fundamentally you know, once we realize that, then we realize that it's it's us who has the power and that by coming together, standing together, we can keep building that power uh, for the working class. Um, Tom, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and explain, you know, just what's going on with your members right now. We're going to put that Good Groceries link in our show notes. Is there any other th- any, any other message you'd have for our audience for them to take away from this? Anything to plug, any website to visit, anything, any any advice? I would have a, a message to all the, the activists all out there. I'm, I'm personally torn. I've, I've gone and visited some workplaces. I've uh, practiced social distancing. I've done it in a very limited way. On the one hand, I have people who are saying to me, saying to me, you need to be, you need to be physically visible. Others saying, are you crazy? You can't be wandering from workplace to workplace. You're exposing yourself. And I guess you could potentially be spreading something. Uh, what I would say to activists uh, out there is, you know, do practice social distancing. Do do everything you can to keep your friends and your family safe. But I would say when you're going to the grocery store and everyone's going to do it, you know, say something to these people. When you're with us, healthcare professional, say something uh, to these people. Kindness, empathy, uh, compassion, real human voice. Can't look someone in the eyes. Pick up the phone. Let them hear your voice. Emails, texts, technology, nothing wrong with that. The world we live in. But hear each other's voices and when you do have social interaction, albeit at a distance, uh, be kind and thank these people. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for coming on the show. And and thank you for that message. Um, Folks, if you uh, like this podcast, you want to keep hearing this podcast, you want more people to listen to this podcast, there are a few things you can do to help out as well. Um, By all means, please share it. Share it, you know, over social media. You can, you know, you can create a mixtape, pass that along, you know, via through the mail. I don't really care how you do it. But but word of mouth is the best way to kind of grow the audience. The other big thing you can do to help this podcast is you can give us uh, money. You can join the 250 other folks who help keep this independent media project going by going to theprogressreport.ca slash patrons, putting in your credit card and giving us anywhere from 5 to $15 a month. Uh, that goes a long way, that kind of steady monthly contribution. Also, we've got something up r- right now on our website, on our social media platforms, which you can find and use right now. We have got an email tool. 
Um, so just go to our, our, our internet, go to our Facebook account or go to our Twitter account. It's our pinned tweet. It's our pinned Facebook post. It's our paid sick leave letter tool. Fill it out real fast. It, it takes 20 seconds to put in your name, your email address, and fire off an email to your MLA that there needs to be actual paid sick leave right now. The UCP have uh, waffled on this. They initially said they were going to, and now it doesn't look like they have. They've walked back their initial promise. We need to keep up the pressure on these, on these, on these, uh, I was going to say something worse, but I mean, I swear on this podcast all the time, on these motherfuckers. Also, if you have any notes, thoughts, comments, things you think I need to hear about, I am on Twitter. You can reach me on Twitter at Duncan Kinney, and you can also reach me by email at Duncan K at progressalberta.ca. Thanks so much to Cosmic Family Communist for the amazing theme. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Did you know that Progress Alberta is part of a national community of leftist podcasts on the Ricochet Podcast Network? You can find the Alberta Advantage, 49th Parahel, Kino Lefter, Well Reds, The Progress Report, Les Ficelles, Out of Left Field, and Unpacking the News, as well as a bunch of other awesome podcasts at Ricochet Media or wherever you download your podcasts.